Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. We've come to the end of the book of Hebrews and the last of our study. How wonderful it's been. I'm looking forward to reviewing the heart of its message again and again. And this great book ends with a short prayer, and we end with a long message on that short prayer. The church goes forward as it is faithful to Christ and His gospel, and the faithfulness of the church in any age is expressed in its prayers, and the failures of the church in any age are mirrored in its failure to pray as God would have us pray. The great truths of God's Word are to find their way down through our ears into our hearts and back out to God in our prayers. Hebrews chapter 13, 20 through 21, let me read it to you. It's a prayer. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, what we have here is what sometimes is labeled in your Bible as a benediction, but it's not a prayer of formality. It actually is an expression of the heart desire of the author who has written this letter. In fact, I would suggest to you that everything that he's written is leading up to this point. What it is that he's praying for is what has been the overriding concern of all that he said. The, the thing that, and the outcome that he's desiring for the life of those he's praying for is expressed in all the information that he gave in the letter that he wrote. In fact, I would suggest to you that actually verse 20 is, in a sense, a review of everything, in short, of everything that he wrote in the letter of Hebrews. And then verse 21 is an unpacking of his desire for the people as a result of that. It may be that when the author first began, he just wanted to write down a little prayer for the people that was on his heart. And then he wanted to express to them the power and the potency and what was behind that prayer. And so he began to write a letter. Let me suggest to you that the words that come from the person that God has appointed to speak truth to us have to be words that are issued forth out of their prayers. And if you read the letters of Paul, they almost always begin with prayers that Paul is making. In other words, the very message that he brought to the people in the letters that he wrote were conditioned by his prayers for them. But not only are prayers to go before what is said to us and truth that is spoken to us, but prayers should always follow them as well. You want to speak truth into somebody's life, begin by praying for them. Then go to them and speak to them. And when you're walking away from their presence, continue praying for them. That's how it's supposed to work. You walk away from the presence and you realize that nothing will be heard by them, nothing will be received by them, nothing will be planted in their minds or their hearts of any eternal lasting value unless it is put within them by the power of God. And so you go away from them saying, God speak, God work, God communicate, God, God act on their behalf. God, you've got to do something here. It certainly wasn't the power of my words or my communication. If you're not attending to it, if you're not working, it will be lost. It will be meaningless. There are any number of ways that we could take this passage and 
Actually, as I was looking at this passage, I spoke to somebody this week and said, you know, actually, a whole book could be written on this, and not just the book of Hebrews, but a whole big, thick book could be written on this passage because it's so rich and it's so wonderful, and there are so many points of exaltation and praise to be wrung out of this passage. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you some instruction on prayer. My understanding from this passage is that the author has come to a point now where he's praying for the children of God. He's praying for those who have been redeemed by faith in Jesus Christ. And he's teaching us how we are to pray for one another. He's already showed us the types of things we're supposed to be saying to one another. The words that we're supposed to be saying are centered upon the supremacy and excellency and prevailing power of Jesus Christ in our salvation. But then out of that, we're to speak. And out of that, we're to pray. And here he shows us what we're to pray. And so I, I want to basically do a study on prayer and... The first thing I want you to see about prayer as it's revealed to us in verse 20 is this. If you're going to pray for someone, you better make sure you have a basis for your prayers. If you're going to pray for somebody, you better make sure you have a basis for your prayers and what you're praying. Don't ask God for anything on the behalf of another that you have no basis for asking. Don't ask God to do what God is not prepared to do. Your child comes to you and asks permission to go play in the middle of hot scotch in the middle of the street in front of your house. They shouldn't ask you that. They should know you better. They should know you're not going to let them do that. You're going to say no. Don't ask God for things that God is not prepared to do. Don't ask God for things that he's declared that he will not do. Don't ask God for anything that would go against his own nature and the glory of his being. What the author has done in this letter is shown us that what he's going to be praying for us is consistent with what God has revealed to be true and what God is wanting to do and who God is. That's how we're to pray. Don't ask God for anything that he has not provided for or made a way for an answer. So understand what God has provided and the way that God has provided it. A way of saying this all positively is to put it this way. And here are five things. And if you've got a pencil, you can write them down because you're going to see that I'm going to be looping through this thought over and over again, but it's this. Positively, put it this way, pray according to the worthiness of God. Pray for others according to the worthiness of God. Pray for others according to the will of God, the revealed will of God. Pray for others according to the work that God has already done and accomplished. Pray for others according to the word of God, the word that God has spoken. Pray for others according to the way of God or the way that God has demonstrated, the way in which God works. So for, according to the worthiness of God, the will of God, the work of God, the word of God, the way of God. If that's the case, if that's how we're to pray, then we've got to know something, don't we? We've got to be informed when we're praying. The, the author has provided all this wonderful information for us that we've been studying for the last three years, and then he boils it down to this one concentrated prayer, and because of it, this prayer has power. You've got to know certain things, and here's it. If you're going to pray in this way, you've got to know something about the person of God. You've got to know something about the purposes of God. You've got to know something about the provision of God. You want to pray about the worthiness of God, know about His purposes. Pray about the will of God, you don't need to know something about the purposes of God. If you want to pray about the work of God or along the lines of the work of God, you've got to know what God has provided, the provision of God. If you pray from the Word of God, you've got to understand the promises of God. If you pray 
according to the way that God works, the way of God, you've got to know something about the program or the pathway or the providences of God, we might say. You've got to be able to see how God is working in your life and in creation and understand these things. You've got to know His person, purposes, provision, promises, His program. Go ahead and pray. And actually, as you pray, you know, pray for what you want. Pray what you desire, but then check to see that what you want and what you desire is after the heart and desires of what God wants. Because listen, God is not going to deny himself an answer to your prayers. God's not going to deny his truth. God's not going to deny his way. If you're going to pray, you better know what God wants and what God desires. And to pray aright and to grow in a life that prays aright... You're going to have to get your heart and your life and your desires aligned with God in all of these things. You must seek out God in your meditations to know Him and get under His life and His being and His presence. You're going to have to pray effectively so that eventually, maybe initiating your prayer, you're starting with just your own longings and your own desires, but in your prayer you're to to take yourself away from your own longings and desires so that you lay yourself at the feet of His will and His desire. And what you say is, not my will, but your will be done. If you're going to pray effectively, your prayers are going to have to delve down into the saving work of Jesus Christ. It's going to ultimately have to delve down into the cross of Jesus Christ because it's the cross stands at the center of all God's work in the world today. It's at the center of all that God has done throughout all of history. It makes sense of everything that God has done in restraining judgment and giving judgment. It makes sense in all that God has done in raising up a people to be a witness to Him. And sending us forth in that witness. It makes sense in terms of all that he does in our life. The Bible says of God, God says of himself in Jeremiah, that I've loved you with an everlasting love, and therefore I've drawn you with loving kindness. Why would God draw us to himself? If he had not made a provision for us, so that we could be near him and with him. Throughout all ages, in the plan of God, loving all men and all women, and drawing all people to himself, God was bringing them to the place of the cross. The work where he died for our sins and where he rose again. You want to pray effectively? You want to know how to pray effectively? Grow in your understanding of that work. Grow in your understanding of what God has accomplished at that place because it's there that God pours out his answers to all prayer. You'll need to understand the cross. You'll need to delve into the meaning of the cross and your prayers need to be anointed at the point of the cross. And study God's word. Understand and live unclaimed the promises by faith that are in God's word and pray out God's word. And then consider the unfolding testimony of God's providences in your life and throughout history. Be attentive to what God has done and what God is doing and be sensitive to his movement around you. See how God is pursuing a program to express his power and his might and his wisdom and his care and pray along those lines. Pray along those lines as well. And as you do, your prayer will become increasingly effective. None of us has a clear picture of these things. None of us has a clear view of exactly what God is or who God is or His purposes. Or None of us can fully comprehend His work in saving us at the cross. We have yet to begun to understand the full implications of His promises in His word. And, oh, it's hard to understand what God is doing sometimes and His providences. Cowper wrote, deep in unfathomable minds of never-ending skill, God treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. And we don't see it, and we don't understand it, and we don't always grasp it. But still, 
we see the Bible says through the glass darkly. But still in our prayers, we have to begin at this point. We have to read and look and listen for God in the Bible. And then we have to look and listen for the expression of God in the world around us. When we do, our prayers will be more than just expressions of the own impulsive desires of our heart. They'll be expressions of a heart that's informed by God, by God's word, by God's revelation. And then how wonderful, ultimately the impulsive desires of our heart will follow after those things that we're learning of Him. So Paul, or the author of Hebrews, comes to this very short prayer but it's a prayer that's infused and informed by all the things that he's written all along. And they are things that give light to this very truth, to these very truths that I was speaking of. And when you, by the way, grow to pray in this way more and more, you will begin to pray for the possible. You'll see that this is in tune with God's person and this is in tune with God's purposes and this is expressive of God's power and His work and this is in alignment with God's promises. This is expressive or out of God's own providences. This is where God is moving, where God is working and your prayer will be praying for the possible. And then you'll grow to pray not only for the possible but for the provided. And then you'll begin to pray for what has been promised and then you'll see that you're praying for what has been preordained. And as you do, the path of your prayer will ascend with assurance and faith and with power. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. To learn more about our work around the world, go to cpeonline.org. That stands for Church Partnership Evangelism. And to learn more about our fellowship here in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.